the following episode is the prepared audio version of a live Google Hangout originally streamed on October the 17th, 2015. Revenge of the 80s Kids has been rated P for podcasts. you wish to commit euthanasia <laughs> no we're, we're we're good we're live we're here uh maybe a little bit later than advertised uh but we can uh, definitely tell you all out there in viewer land that that was nobody's fault but youtubes uh or, or hangouts is the most amusing part i think was the bit where ian was going yes i'm in the room i can see the back of your computer <laughs> like that's weird i can see my face oh no wait hang on i'm in here alone yeah we, we basically had a little bit of a technical nightmare but no technical nightmare can stop the 80s no. kids no, we're going to run no technical nightmare, no incompetence at picking the winners at the box office <laughs> over the summer, nothing. We're here to do our summer review, get used to it. Isn't that right, Ian? Well, fortunately, our hiatus hasn't made us rusty at all, has it? Uh, so what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't speak when we're not doing podcasts and stuff, so we yes. forget all about each other. I'm all set, I'm good, I'm positive, I'm ready, I'm ready and raring to go. I'm just jolly, I'm looking forward to seeing how wrong I was about Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin, how are you feeling? I am feeling, I, it's, it's fun to be uh, back in the, back with the team again. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's all good. And, good. and the acoustics in your new pad are such that uh, you, you, you're not experiencing that weird feedback thing. Which I'm is lost. always a plus. Yay. No, it's, it's all good. You, everybody sounds like they've got the right sound equipment <laughs> and the right camera equipment and we're ready to rock and roll. But we've got all the kit and we've got a live hangout, but did we get anything right? That's the big question. That's the question I want to reflect on as we've now <laughs> concluded our podcast. Were we ever right about anything? Just to give people a heads up on how this is going to go down, obviously we had the uh, broad categories. We had sci-fi, we had action thriller, we had kids, and we had, of course, uh, horror and the summer comedy. Those were the things that we were taking a look at. And we also picked our picks for a summer turkey, the thing that was going to tank badly, and the summer battler, the thing that was going to do a lot better than people thought. But where where did we... Where did we go with this? Right, okay, so let us start uh, with our first big cock-up, <laughs> which to be fair, to be fair, we can't be blamed for this, I don't think, I th because it, I, list I had to listen back because I uh, lost the text file, the add-on notes, so I listened back to our summer you know, preview and we kind of went, well, obviously, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron is going to go straight to the top of the charts, blah, 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 all this. And we just glossed straight over it and went to number two. 
we all believed that this would be the Wienar. And indeed, it did take 1.4 billion at the box office. And yet it did not win. So, there we go. The, the, this is a form of losing I could get used to if I was the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But how do we feel about that? Ian, how do you feel about the Avengers not being at the top? It's it's interesting. My goodness, people really didn't have anything better to do than just go to the cinema a lot, clearly. Yeah. Having seen Avengers 2, I wasn't entirely happy with it. I wasn't entirely happy with the villain at all, even though I really loved James Spader. So, on the whole, I'm not surprised it perhaps didn't, relatively speaking, as big a gangbusters as the first one did. Yeah. Probably exceeding the first one in terms of taking, though, come to think about it. Oh, yeah, um, it, definitely, it definitely performed as they were. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree there were better things on this year than the Avengers, even in terms of mindless action, fun adventure, popcorn. Yep. Yeah. Justin, how yeah, do you no, I agree, that? actually. I mean, it was enjoyable, but I must admit it didn't quite have the magic of the first one. And a lot of the Marvel films, please, it doesn't sit, if I'm ranking it in my, in my Marvel films, um, you know, it's not going to be in the top three. Um, so no. yeah, I can totally understand something with a stolen its crown. Right, here's my, here's my take on it. I mean, the point is that I think they designed it to do what it did. And they just didn't see that anything else would totally womp it into the ground, which is what happened. Although of the things that did womp it into the ground, I'll just run through some uh, little box office figures in the sci-fi category. How did sci-fi do? Uh, Chappie and the uh, second Divergent film made respectively 102 million and 297 million. That's good for Insurgent, not quite so good for Chappie. Yeah. Monsters Dark Continent made... 228. 228 million? That's fantastic. No, it made $228,000. Well, where was it to go see? I, um, I liked Monsters, the first film. I actually really enjoyed it for what it was. So I, I would have gone and seen this, but it just, it was not on the multiplex. It was not given a chance for me to turn it down. Wow, that's that's pretty low though. That is that is very disappointing. It is in fact the lowest take of anything in the sci-fi genre this summer. Uh, so then we've got Mad Max, which did a very creditable three hundred and seventy-four million. Now we didn't we didn't even have the chance to pick Tomorrowland as a pick, and it's a good job because it didn't do great. But when you say it didn't do great, it did two hundred and eight million. I mean, you know, it, it it did. Bearing in mind how dismissive just about everybody was. Yes. Yeah. What is this new thing? We don't want a new thing. <laughs> Indeed. So, let's move on to our picks for second. Our picks for second were Ant Man. It was me. I, uh, I I picked that as a second place in sci-fi. It did make four hundred and nine million, so it didn't get into second place. Okay. But it did okay. In fact, it's the lowest box office take of our second picks. Okay. Coming second in second, if you see what I mean, uh, was Terminator Genesis, uh, which Ian picked, which made four hundred and forty million. Uh, so you know. Yeah. Thank you, China. Basically. 
Uh, I mean, that's not bad for 140 million. It's not bad. There's not going to be another one. So all those unresolved plot things in Terminator never going to get heard of ever again. Uh, so the Terminator franchise now is now officially completely broken. You can't disentangle this particular time paradox anymore. So I, I fully expect the Terminator to resurface again in a few years in one of those versus films. It'd be Terminator versus Robocop or something. I think that's where it's going to go now, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, so I, I didn't see it personally. Uh, I was dying. catching it later. So yeah, uh, and Justin, you you picked a second. Yes, you yes. did. You picked a second. The second th- thing that you picked, you thought the Jurassic World might do some business. Yeah, thought it might do some business. One point six billion of business being the top number one film at the box office this summer. <laughs> so uh, yes, you picked it for second because we naturally assumed that Age of Ultron would. Yeah. Stop the competition, but yeah. it was the giant dinosaur goodness right. that stomped the competition instead. I, I think that's, I, that's would, so I, I would like to point out, this still means Justin is wrong. I don't want anyone to see me some sort of <laughs> oracle or films or anything. <laughs> uh, no. I think we all assume that we've got wrong. It's just degrees of wrongness. <laughs> so I, will, I would take that as a worthy, you know, uh, if I, it's, it's a, we're, we're all going to blame Age of Ultron. If they've done their job right, I would be looking pretty smug at this point, but, you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but let's just sit back and, and, and this Jurassic World, it was so enjoyable. I don't know I what it was. So. Just, I just had fun. I did. I did it completely. I, I had a ball, actually. And, you know, people started picking holes in the plot. I'm like, it's just seeing dinosaurs in a theme park. Don't go overboard on this. It's, and I thought, I've always liked, I like Chris Pratt. He's very watchable. And I thought he was very enjoyable in that film. And, you know, it's like, this had a lot of spirit of the original, but in some ways I might even preferred it to the original because the original was kind of like, this is, you know, like an event film where you sit there and you go, this is incredible. But it was just like, hey, it's fun, it's fun, fun. let's have fun, let's have flipping, you know, raptors and motorbikes and, you know, oh my. It's just like, yeah, go, bring it on. And, and if, if, if anything, I'd say the kids weren't useless and annoying. Perhaps they were even... Too capable. They were. They rescued um, themselves. They were. And they were actually the first... They were the least nauseating children I've seen on screen for some time. They were actually... Like, certainly the youngest one. It was like... It just seemed like someone fairly normal. Like, good. We haven't got kind of saccharine, yes. horrible, light schmaltziness thrown in with our dinosaurs. We're, we're, we're lost and cut off. Let's go into this building and repair a vehicle <laughs> and use it to drive back to civilization. <laughs> Great. I'm adopting these children. Yep. <laughs> they shall bear my name. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen it, so uh, I can't really add to that uh, comment. Um, so I didn't add to that massive pot uh, that it's taken at the box office. Um, but I'm looking forward to watching it when it comes around on the regular services. So that's yep. cool. Yep. Uh, just to uh, go back to my uh, picking last place, Ant-Man, I really enjoyed Ant-Man. I have to say, I was there, I was ready. I mean, you know, I am a, a you know, a self-avowed uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and indeed Marvel fanboy, but I thought Ant-Man did, did a really good job. I haven't really got much more to say about it at that basis. I mean, the, the one thing that's annoying is that they teased the Wasp and, and, and this is, you know, this has become a big thing for Marvel. Like, where are all the, the women at? And in fact, this has informed the sequel. Ant-Man and the Wasp is confirmed as the next Ant-Man movie. And they've even pushed some other stuff about. I think that the reaction to Hope Van Dyne was so good that they went, well, 
who cares about Captain Marvel, really? And, and you know, I mean, people do because she's a female superhero. And they've only pushed that film back a year, but they've decided that Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be the next thing. And I, I, I'm all for it, personally. Yes. Did you yes. enjoy Ant-Man, gentlemen? I, I did not see it. Right, well, there we go. Right, this well, is my big game. It's my big regret of the summer. For various reasons, I didn't manage to see it. And I will be seeing it as soon as I physically can, as soon as it's available. I'm having it because I desperate to see it. Um, yeah, it right. Let me put. I'll, okay, well, like, I really can't say much more about it. But it is it is very funny. Michael yep. Douglas is excellent. Paul Rudd is excellent. Michael Pena is excellent. The villain is neither here nor there. Corey Stell does a good job, but it's another one of these. The thing, you know, Marvel. The thing about it is, it's a bit unfair because, ironically, although Marvel's cinematic universe has been running now since two thousand and seven because they've always tried to produce new stuff and keep rolling forward, everything's new. So you've always got the first thing. So this is the first Ant-Man thing. So, you know, you've got that first villain where it's like, we don't want the villain to detract from us explaining who the hero is. Mm -hmm. And then everybody gives them a hard time because it's a new villain. What can we do? The villain's not very good. Uh, But then you've got everyone else to worry about. If I could briefly talk about Terminator Genesis for a moment, being the big sure? Terminator fan in the room. Well, yeah. I suppose we all are, really. <coughs> I think and one of the major problems I have with this, it's certainly true, it's it's fairly flat as far as characters go, uh, and it's just sort of bumbling along one vent after another. But the trailer really kills it for me, because the trailer pretty much tells you every single twist this film has. Right. And so there are no surprises whatsoever going into the film. It's really made me down on trailers. We know trailers are supposed to give you the best bits. I'm not supposed to tell you the whole goddamn plot of the film. You've seen the trailer. You've pretty much seen Terminator Genesis, I'm sorry to say. Oh. There's not much else to be had other than, oh, look, Matt Smith. I didn't know he was in it. All right. That's about it. All right, okay. Well, uh, there we go. Um, so uh, a few more items of business in sci-fi. Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials. Now, I didn't catch the first Maze Runner till over the summer. Like a lot of people, I'd kind of written it oh, as another Hunger Games rip-off uh, after Insurgent, Divergent, uh, Insplurgent, whatever it is, and uh, who cares? And I watched it, and it was like, oh, this is actually pretty amiable and likeable. I quite like this. And the science fiction is, is still, you know, it's not great, but it's better than all the others. I mean, the sci-fi setup is more... You, you buy it more. You like you the Hunger Games. At the end of the day, you've got to go. Really, this entire you know this entire society is set up around this kid death match. When you really start to think about it, that falls apart pretty quickly. The um, Divergent thing is just appalling. I watched that over the summer as well, and it yep. is really it's not very interesting. Plus, no. it's ridiculous. Yep. Whereas the Maze Runner, although there's a bit where you're like. So they put them in the maze for what reason? And you have to kind of clench your teeth through their reasoning on that. Afterwards, I mean, the Scorch Trials barely has any maze running in it at all, which a few people were like, well, that's not very good. You've completely abandoned the whole maze runner thing. It's like, well, yeah, but you've made a really good kid. I mean, well, I say it's a kid sci-fi film. Me and the wife, we're not squeamish. And we weren't squeamish in this. But we were sat in the cinema. This is a 12A. Watching the Cronenbergian mutant sewer zombies <laughs> mo- moan their way out of the wall and then pelt it because they were 
running Cronenbergian mutant sewer zombies towards the hero and then put them in extreme peril, like extreme peril, like falling out of a, a 30-story building through broken glass onto a blasted or post-apocalyptic wasteland. And then you've got zombies like, ah, reaching out for you. You know, like, if I was 12 right now, I would need to go to the toilet and clean my drawers. Yeah. Because this is terrifying. When you were 12, have you seen modern day 12 year olds these days? They were probably feeling bored watching that. Uh, I, I mean, the feedback that I've, I've received from other sources, I mean, there's feedback immediately in the cinema. Uh, one guy who'd uh, unfortunately for both of them, I think, brought his like seven or eight year old daughter into it. They left after 20 minutes and they didn't come back. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, generally the stuff I've been getting through Mark Commode and Simon Mayo and all that has been saying that uh, kids, kids, adults, everybody agrees 12 is the very minimum that you want to be watching this, but uh, it's got wash in it, so that's cool. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's actually a very good movie. It's great fun for what it is, and has uh, cleaned up at the box office. I mean, 230 million is not great across the board, but relatively for the Maze Runner series, it's great. They've done super good. I'm looking forward to the third one. Moving on, Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic Four. Oh, God. Uh, so, Ian, I believe we smelt this one coming. Uh, may I initiate, initiate smug mode for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in, in some ways, I kind of feel bad about it now because it's, it's like, it's just a pain is there for everyone to see. And it's just, it's just beating the special kid at school at this stage, really, isn't it? But yes, uh, uh, the stories coming out about just how chaotic the production of this film was is going to be a thing of legend for some time, I think, isn't it? Uh, the fact that the studio looked at this and decided they need to film an entire second half of the film because they didn't like the flying car ending the guy originally did. All sorts of madness. The fact the director trashed a house to the tune of $200,000 worth of damage. That he wasn't talking to, he wasn't talking to his lead actress because he was, she was thrust upon him by the studio. All kinds of nonsense. I mean, it just sounds like really one hellish thing to, they had to call the cast back. They had to put people in wigs because they had haircuts and things in order to reshoot this new studio ending where they beat somebody up. Uh, so, and I, I didn't go see this. I, I, I nearly did, but then, then I didn't. Because all my family basically saw it. My brother saw it for his birthday, poor guy. And my mum saw it as well. My mum was like, well, the first half is quite enjoyable. Then it just seemed to go a bit, yeah, the second half. And I think that's kind of true. It's like it feels like it's going somewhere, and then it just becomes a kind of thing, and then it stops. So, but Leo, uh, I, I feel you in particular had some seething venom for this project. So please let forth your bile. Oh, I'm going to say from here because let's let Justin get. Uh, I mean, you didn't really join us for the it smelt it coming, but obviously it's a thing. How do you feel about Fant Stick? I haven't seen it, but it was one of those things. It's a bit like Batman and Robin. Anyone I knew who'd been anywhere near it was like, don't go and see this film. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay, I've been there before, right, I'll, I'll listen to your judgment. So, friends don't um, let friends fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but I, I get the feeling it's not going to be like a Battlefield Earth. You're not going to stick it on just so you can all laugh how bad it is. It's just, it's just awful. Uh, I honestly, I'd rather it just doesn't exist, really, because it just, from what I hear, I'm just, well, 
you know, I don't want this. I know it's not part of obviously the uh, MCU, but but I, I, you know, I don't want it to be even like possibly, you know, linked in that. So I can just, I'm, I'm quite happy not ever to see it, to be honest, from what I've heard of it at all. So this is like, now curiosity. <laughs> yeah. This is why much in uh, much like you know you know the whole thing about never getting involved in a death ma- uh, with a Sicilian when death is on the line or whatever it is uh you don't argue with marvel marvel disney misney darvel whatever you want to call it because of course although with the contract they uh gave away the rights to the studios to make all the money and do all the stuff they did also put in the thing about having producers coming in to help you know, keep things Marvel. They wanted to, you know, keep things a bit, you know, marvelly. And I think that's been the master stroke here because um, what they seem to have discovered, or at least what Disney probably already knew when Marvel were beginning to come <coughs> on to, is that help mm. is is like you can make completely reasonable suggestions and leverage the little bits of power you have to give the other guy enough rope to completely hang himself. And I think that's what is going on with these properties, Spider-Man. If you put get together Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Fantastic together and look at them as sort of cultural phenomena, in both cases you can see Marvel's uh, execs as little devils on the shoulder of the production crew going, yeah, why don't you do that? That's fine. We've got no objection to you that's doing right. that. You know, because we don't need this till phase six, right? No, that's fine. Let them, give them time to <laughs> screw this well, up. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that obviously last week they broke a rumour that Marvel had got the rights back to Fanta- uh, Fantastic Four. And then they were like, oh, no, 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 we haven't. I'm like, yeah, this is like what they wanted to do was put the rumour out there. Watch everyone go, oh, thank God. And then go, oh, no, it's not true. And then watch everyone go, Grr. and then they can go to, um, you know, uh, was it Paramount? No, Fox. Then go to Fox. Yeah. Look, nobody likes you. Everyone <laughs> hates you. See how they cried with relief when they thought we had it back? <laughs> See how they were very angry when it turned out not to be true. Why don't you just sell it back to us? You know, and it that's is. how it works, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think you're crediting Marvel with being too high a game player. No, that Sony has their own part in this travesty that's come out, I think. We, we can't absolve. They weren't just outplayed. They they didn't just drop the ball. They forgot to even buy one in the first place, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That, that, but that's the thing, yeah. First of all, you've got a studio that's kind of aggressively kind of not really into this. And then you've got all the pressure that just the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe puts onto it. And then you've got... It's like you say, how much sabotage does the Marvel consultant have to do to push it over the edge. Not much. That's that's the beauty of the game. It's rigged. It's a racket. Anyone who's got uh, their hands on a Marvel property, the X-Men are being left because they're being supplanted by the Inhumans. I mean, it's like, yeah, we're not even going to fight over that. Especially bearing in mind the fact that the X-Men are the only ones who've managed to kind of somewhat escape this, this thing. But there we go. So that's what it is. Okay, so let's move on to action movies this summer. Now, here's another chance for us all to engage smug mode. Are you ready? We all decided that Fast and Furious 7 was going to be the most popular action movie out this summer. And that a whopping 1.5 billion, beating 
almost everything else. The only thing that beat it was Jurassic World. If it hadn't been for Jurassic World, this would have been the number one movie at the box office this summer. Fast and Furious 7, the sixth sequel to a action franchise about driving poncy fast cars. <laughs> if someone once told me that the Fast and Furious franchise would become the biggest action franchise that is going in the world and that it would be mandatory to have to go see it, I wouldn't believe them. How did I end up in this particular alternate universe here? What was, the, what was like the flowchart of events that brought us here by causal means? Please tell me. Uh, what's really weird is, because I was like, after six, which I deeply enjoyed when I finally caught it, I was like, I'm not getting fooled again. This time I'm down the cinema, I'm watching FNF7. And events just conspired to keep me out of the cinema. I was the only one, apparently, um, because everybody <laughs> else went to see this damn thing. And I'm really looking forward to catching it when, when I can. But, of course, the problem is, when Fast and Furious 7 makes 1.5 billion... They're like, yeah, that's the end of the series, and the studio are like, um, <laughs> Vin, have another dump truck of money. Are we sure <laughs> we can't persuade you? Yes. Hello, Sue. Did anyone go to see uh, FNF7? I, I happily watch it. I, I just, uh, I haven't seen any of the others, or I think maybe one of them. So I think I've got a lot of catching up to do, quite frankly. To this date, I have still only ever seen. Fast and Furious 5 from beginning to end. But my stepbrother went, went to go see it and he enthused about it to such an extent I felt I didn't need to, really. Uh, I take it you went to see MI5, though, uh, uh, Ian. Actually, no, I didn't. It slipped me by. And I'm normally fairly good at watching Mission Impossible films. Did you see MI5? Um, no, I missed that, but I did miss a few films over the summer. Again, it's like... Oh, right, OK. I, I, I like Mission Impossible films. So did anyone see any action? Did anyone see any action movies over the summer at all? I must have done. Uh, Name a few. (laughs) Uh, Right, okay. So uh, we'll do the rundown here. Sorry, I was desperately Uh, trying to find something to talk about. It's all right, Sue. Trapped her fingers. Oh, right, Sue trapped her finger. Okay, cool. I'm like, just walking around going, ow. I didn't want to scream. (laughs) We have a wife in the background, everybody. Hello. Hello. Uh, right, so let's do a quick rundown of what made what and how it all went. Now, of course, we all know about Wildcard, which only came out in the UK here, but just to recap on that, just so you could read it, it made $3.4 million on a $30 million budget. Ian told us that okay. in the previous uh, episode. So there we go. But in March, we had Run All Night with Liam Neeson. That made $71.6 million. Not that great, to be honest. April brought us Fast and Furious 7, and everybody except everybody here went to see it in the cinema. Uh, May bought us San Andreas, um, which to this day, people mention San Andreas. I think, oh, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, that's (laughs) film with The Rock, where San Francisco falls into the hole. Uh, $470 now. The Transporter Refueled, which actually became, I can't remember, they changed the title slightly and bumped it forward. Uh, But to the time that I've seen it, it had made $32.9 million. Okay. MI5 made $679 million, so did perfectly fine. Everybody's very happy with that. Uh, Man from Uncle um, only made $100 million, unfortunately. Yeah, I I actually enjoyed that, although there is some criticism of that being... Because they, they were the the stars in that were not the original cast. They were they were hunting for. I mean, various names were were posted like George Clooney and various things. 
And I think it, all I would, it does suffer a little bit from the, the chemistry isn't quite as good as maybe it could be. But I still thought it was a good film, and I thought it really captured the spirit of the 60s very well, I thought. I, I really wish that I'd gone to see it. It's got some great comic timing in it. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that... And I hope it does enough to a sequel, really, because it's set up nicely. And I think, yeah, I think it's just a fun world. But, uh, but, yeah, I can kind of see why it wouldn't have been done amazingly. I think there is something missing from it. I mean, it's, it may... I think it is to do with the chemistry of the characters, but still. Uh, and finally, on the action <coughs> genre, Hitman Agent 47 made $80 million, which right. sounds terrible. Uh, but bearing in mind the fact that it was apparently really, really bad, that's actually not that bad now that I come to read yeah. that back, that um, that Hitman Agent 47 made that money. We appear to have lost Ian we temporarily, uh, which is uh, which is a thing. Let me check. You're, you're all fine, Justin. You're, uh, I always uh, am. And he's back. He's ah. back. Um, fighting. He's battling the internet at the moment. He's 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 on his knees. He's ripped apart some cables with his bare teeth as he does. Capitating <laughs> some other capitating some things up. He'll be he'll be joining us shortly. Um, but yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I think that honestly, uh, maybe the his hangout connection just got a bit bored by action because now I come to read back <laughs> all the details of, of the summer action uh, movies. This wasn't a good. Good summer for action, really. Yeah. MI5 was good. Oh, I mean, you know, with the exception of Fast and Furious 7, which yeah. obviously yeah, I think dominates there's a lot the world. of sci-fi in the way, I think. Yeah, sci-fi has been overtaken by sci-fi and Fast and Furious 7. And anyone who's watching live is going to have to put up with us now, flanneling as he is yes. at his technical rest, because I don't <laughs> really want to go on without Ian being Thanks. there. Uh, so that's uh, that's unfortunate. These are the perils of a live broadcast. No doubt when he rips the audio off it, he'll just edit this section of the thing out, uh, which will be perfectly fine and as it should be. Um, of course, I think uh, in Oz, as I recall, the broadband is a bit wonky sometimes. Right. I think that's a thing. Um, so, yes, he's uh, he's doing his best to rejoin us at this time. Uh, but uh, let's just uh, ask a general question uh, about the summer, uh, which will come up again, obviously, and hopefully Ian can answer this question when he comes back with us. How did you feel summer went for your movie-going activities? Well, I think I I, um, I actually, because of work and various things, I haven't been going to the cinema as, as much as I wanted to, really. But I think, I, all in all, I don't think I've seen a bad film. So... Ah, there you are. Ah, he rejoins us. Um, so yes, we were just no, yeah. I mean, because the the what where we were up to here, just to recap for everybody, <laughs> uh, including you, uh, is that we kind of decided that with the exception of F Seven, action itself, like pure action, was kind of a bit like mm, well, you know, uh, it kind of happened this summer, and that's why there wasn't much to talk about, and that's why your hangout connection got bored and uh, decided to abandon us. And uh, Justin was saying he didn't really get along to the cinema much this summer. I think I got to the cinema a fair deal, especially bearing in mind the fact that I've, I've decided against the... There was no point having the card and the Now TV subscription, and the card meant driving to Newport and doing super gangbusters uh, cinema things all day, so I've given up on it. But even so, I've been to the cinema quite a great degree over the summer, and now it's going to go quiet and what have you. So, uh, yeah. 
Um, I was just going to say about San Andreas, we made some issue out of the fact that Kylie Minogue was going to be in this film. And I suppose in a literal sense, she is in this film. She has one scene, which she's basically having a restaurant meal with female lead character, asks all of two questions about her family, the room shakes, she stands up, opens the door, and falls out the building! That's the, <laughs> that is the extent of her part. I was like, is she dead? We just met Kylie Minogue. What? And of, and of course, when Kylie Minogue falls out of a building, that's pretty bad because she's quite short, so she's got further well, to fall. she's got further to fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but she floats because there's less weight. She's not much to her, is there, really? <laughs> <laughs> Did you think oh I've been so lucky that she was going down, though? That's the question. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear me. We we are bad, bad human beings. Uh, let us move on to kids' movies. And I remember we had quite a lot to say about those. Uh, one in particular this, this, this time around. And uh, we can engage Smug Mode for a third time, gentlemen. For we predicted that the top winning uh, kids' movie of the summer at the box office would be Minions. Yes. And uh, as that particular barrel was so full of fish, we had no problem shooting them. Uh, <laughs> 1.1 billion for Minions. Yes. Uh, but then, then unfortunately, we now have to disengage Smug Mode because we basically said we can't even do first and second picks because we thought that Cinderella was coming in second. We well, are to be fair, can I say one thing? Can I say yep. when the list was compiled, and obviously we're all kind of blamed to this, uh, that that we did not put Inside Out exactly on the yeah. list. It was that well, and I think Tomorrowland. There would have been some differences if you know the major Pixar film were coming out. We might have had something to say on that. Well, in addition, and this is something that we should probably discuss now, seeing as we completely failed to do it at the time. If we'd have known about Inside and Out before it came out, it's sufficiently in advance, if we'd have, you know, thought about it, yeah. there's a possibility of an argue, line of argument that says, look, this is a film about little people living in people's heads and, you know, the numbskulls from the, the dandy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of an out there concept. It's not like cars. It's about cars. Or, you know, yes. Finding Nemo. It's about fish. Or, you know, yeah. Wally. I, it's about a robot. This is a weird look, concept. That, that concept makes no sense. What about the little people in your head? Who's inside their heads? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, were people going to get a, a problem with that? I Justin? would have taken a stab at seconds. Because I think Minions would still going to win on popularity because it's just, you know... It's minions, right? And they are, yeah. they are, they were relentlessly popular and, and will be for a while. Personally, even though the subject matter might have been a bit different, I would have been a comfortable second on that. Yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think it's a matter for debate. Uh, I think we probably all would have, uh, all would have gone in the end for uh, Inside Out over Cinderella. Just yeah. out of desperation, we might not even have believed it. I can't. But... I, I just that I cannot. I cannot even contemplate the reverse of that in that world. I can't have Cinderella do outdoing that. It's, yeah, it would. Yeah. it would have been uh, too much of it. So uh, Cinderella did take home five hundred and forty-two million. But bearing in mind the fact that this summer we had a one point six billion take yep. and a one point four billion take yep. and a one point five billion take. And uh, 
1.1 billion take and the 792 million take that's inside out. Cinderella yeah. actually didn't do that great. You know, uh, it was a bit of a... Well, everyone said it was, it was, it was bizarrely traditional. Yeah, I, I don't really want to see more of these. Well, I don't know whether ask if they will come because it's the relentless Disney machine, but I, I, um, I wasn't excited by it and, uh, and obviously some people, generally people weren't that too excited by it, so. <sighs> so yes, um, so there we go. So what else did we have? We had, uh, Home, which had, uh, Jim Parsons, of course, in it, and that took 386 million. So despite the fact that quite a lot of people were like, well, there's only got one joke in it, it's a bit dull. And it is right. I watched this, and it's so long. It's got it's got more endings than the Lord of the Rings. It's ridiculous. Um, and it was a bit one jokey, but it made a lot of money for what it was, which was yeah. like a second string uh, CG animated movie. So that's going to be interesting to see where where it goes there. Square Pants, Sponge Out of Water, took a creditable three hundred and eleven yeah. million, that's which I think is. Perfectly decent. It is. I, I saw, um, it was cool. It was fine. And and they tanked the general release for the Moomins movie, uh, oh. which I did check the the box office on that. Uh, the budget for that movie was four million dollars, and it took one point four where in its limited showings. Right. So there we go. That's that's kind of well. There is one further item, of course. But then uh, there was jiggery pokery here. It's the Fantastic Four of kids' movies uh, right now. Uh, I actually had to look this up because of the fact that they pulled it. Uh, Pan took forty-five million in its opening weekend. It's still out, so you could go see it. But yeah, uh, apparently it wasn't. We we spe- yeah we smelt it coming. The studio smelt it coming and only released it last week uh, after pulling it from July. Everybody believed that this was going to be a loser. So that's Pan. What do we think? I'm thinking at what point they realise these things are a bad idea because for me it was almost immediately and I'm not even a studio executive. (laughs) No one really cares about, isn't it? I think essentially. It's well, like people like Peter Pan, and people don't really. Why, what's the point of having something that kind of is, but it isn't? And uh, and Captain Hook, who is, but he's not. Well, he's not really Captain Hook, but he's he's just like, for God's sake, you know, just remake the film if you really want it. If you're desperate to go back to Never Neverland or do a sequel, but but yeah, it's, it it just looks wrong. Uh, but you know, I haven't seen it, um, so I can't really judge it completely. But. Uh, well, when we came on uh, in you know the, the you know the, the preview and went, hey, you know what you could do? You could have a night where you know once this is out on DVD, you watch Pan, which is the prequel. Then you can watch the like 1997 Peter Pan movie, and then you can watch Hook, and it's like a Peter Pan trilogy that nobody asked for, uh, and that's what we that's what we that's what we our must first do this. Was. Uh, Let's do it at Christmas later. <laughs> All three of us together. Oh, good grief. Um, So, yeah, so that was kids' movies. So, uh, I mean, right, okay, I'm going to wait until the end. But this does kind of push us in a particular direction as, you know, after we've had Summer of Various Disappointments and last year we had the Summer of Bizarre (laughs) Fantasy Experimentation. This summer does definitely have a vibe, uh, but we'll, we'll save it for now. It was a bigger question than I thought it would end up being. But, uh, of course, every summer the studios like to throw out some comedy morsels for us and they hope that one of them is going to make Big Bank. 
Uh, we can engage smug mode much more because we all anticipated that un- unfinished business would not be the big surprise comedy hit of the summer. Yeah. And indeed, taking 13.6 million at the global box office, yeah. Vince Vaughn failed to impress, yeah. which is unsurprising. Just say Vince Vaughn. That's all you need to do. Well, you say that. But I actually watched one of these other Vince Vaughn comments because it was on a streaming service. I thought I really could do with just not using my brain for an hour and a half. A film called Vince, Vaughn. Vince Vaughn movie, of course. <laughs> Indeed. That's exactly, that's exactly how it went down. And I put on Delivery Man, which is yeah. the one about him being... Have you seen that, Justin? Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was... It's, I thought it was it's exactly what you've just described. It's an entertaining... You know, just an hour and a half of your life, it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, and the thing about it was that I wasn't expecting is it's quite sweet. Yeah, he is, yeah. Like, it's not him... It's not him being laddish. It's not him going, oh, I've uh, I've sired 500 kids, or, oh, uh, you know, and then making crude jokes about it. When he realises he has all these kids who are trying to uh, see him through a class-action lawsuit, he goes and he finds them and acts like a father towards them. And it's quite yeah. touching. I mean, I think it, it was actually... Really yeah. Uh, me yeah. and Sue were yeah, both I'm like, good. yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought awesome. it was good. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, who knew? Uh, so, yeah, so Vince Vaughn, I think it does get a bit of a bad rep, but Unfinished Business does not does nothing, on the other hand, to say that. Well, I haven't seen it, so uh, as indeed neither has anyone else. So it could be great. Paul Blart Moore Cop 2, on the other hand, made $107 million. We live in a world where that can happen. I don't <laughs> like that. I don't like I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> no, Paul Blart Moore Cop. No. Uh, now, uh, if you remember, I was talking about Hot Pursuit, which they bounced from May down into right. July or August, uh, which had Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara in it. And I predicted that it probably wouldn't do that great. And I was on the money, because $51 million, I think it's probably better than $51 million but no, okay, fair enough. Now, June gave us Spy with yes. Melissa McCarthy, which made a very creditable $236 million, $4 million. I saw it, and I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. And I, yeah. I saw that, and I went, you know what? All this rubbish about um, Ghostbusters and, you know, I mean, like, negativity. I'm like, I think it's going to be fine, because this guy can write comedies. Yeah, it was... And good. he also can write lines for women very successfully. I'm like, this is all going to work very well. <laughs> I take it you did not go and take in Spy, uh, Ian. It slipped through my fingers, I'm afraid. But actually, it, you think like, oh, God, not another bloody Spy spoof, because, you know, there's been a few. But I have to say it was a lot more superior than a lot of the stuff. And Jason State, it's worth seeing for him. Yeah, Jason Statham was epic. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious! I was falling off the chair every time he had something to say. Oh, it's it was, a, it's it a was brilliant great. character. It really is. It's like, you know, if you think that he might take himself a bit too seriously, like, just watch this. <laughs> so, yeah, so Spy took $236.4 million at the box office. This did not make it the summer comedy. But there is another film that took $236.4 million, bizarrely. I mean, they were very close. That film was Pixels. Oh, God. Let us take a moment to consider (laughs) that. We've just triumphantly said, Spy did pretty good, bearing in mind. 
Pixels made $236 million at the box office. But, but everyone on the internet was saying it was te- it was a terrible film for that Sandler guy <laughs> and, and how this was finally going to bury him. Right, guys, let's go and deal with this Sandler problem once and for all. Come on. I've got some baseball bats and everything else. Come on. When Adam Sandler is, is good... I tend to find that he is very good. The problem is that 80% of the time he phones it in. And if you think Bruce Willis is bad when he phones it in, you ain't seen nothing yet. Sandler, when he phones it in, is just appalling. And this was very much on that. that. And the thing about it is, they had the double problem. They had Sandler phoning it in. And as we already know, when Dinklage phones it in, Hello Destiny... It also all goes to CAC, so you had double phoning it in, and yet $236.4 million. Apparently the draw of giant Pac-Man eating things and minis is strong, apparently. That's really tragic. It is. I'm really really bummed out now about the news. Mm -hmm. I thought I had more faith in humanity, but that's it. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's hopeless. Oh, it's God. hopeless. <laughs> uh, right, but on the positive side, Trainwreck was a train wreck. Uh, well, <laughs> it wasn't too bad because it didn't have a great huge budget. 138 million, though, is mediocre performance. Bearing in mind the fact well, that we've got Ted 2 at 213.7, and I don't think anyone really bothered about Ted 2. What's the uh, budget of Trainwreck? Because that's what we've got to really got to measure ourselves against. It, it wasn't huge. Um, uh, I didn't think it was too, but I heard, uh, I heard good things about it. But, uh... Yeah. It's, oh, so, it's, yeah. Oh, well, it, it was good. Its budget was $35 million. It made $138.3 million. Yeah. So in terms of return on its investment, it was a, a good place to put your money. Uh, but then, right, the thing about it is that the number one comedy of the summer... Pitch Perfect 2, 285.2 million. We all called it Engage Smug Mode once yeah. more. Pitch Perfect 2 rules the roost. Oh, yes. And I don't even watch musicals. So, yeah. So there we go. Uh, it's, more than, it's, more than, it's more than that. It is, it is, uh, the comedy is pretty damn sharp. But, you know, yes, I, I know. But, you know, singing and dancing in, go on. What people said where it's like, I don't know when people said it's not as good as the first one. I'm like, no, it was as good as the first one, but it has that law of diminishing returns. Pitch Perfect had that joy of, oh, I wasn't expecting that to be that good. But when Pitch Perfect 2 is then, yes, I was expecting it to be exactly that good, that's less. That's less value. So people perceived it as less. But you can't argue with the box office. I mean, ridiculous. And it cost less than Trainwreck and made twice as much, which is why Trainwreck, did fine, but it didn't do great because Pitch Perfect 2 completely tranced everything uh, in terms of comedy. So, yeah, uh, Pitch Perfect 3 is a thing. And I thought it was very clever, actually, that what they did deliberately, I think, in Pitch Perfect 2 was set up a structure where they can let the old cast go when they don't want to do it and replace them with new cast members. So this franchise could run forever and it could be like the sugar babes of cinema where it's like by the time you get to Pitch Perfect 5, none of the original (laughs) cast are there, but it's still (laughs) the same thing. So yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Moving on to horror. 
There was a film coming out in March, well, which was technically released in March, called Dark Summer, if you remember, the one about the kid with the tag on his ankle in the haunted house that oh, we all okay. felt quite positive about. Did you actually see that, Justin? Because it is on Netflix now. Um, I think I have, yes. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's kind of the level that we're talking here. Yeah. I think I may have seen it. I definitely have because I was like, oh, I missed that at the cinema. Now it's on Netflix. I'd well, better I've seen watch another that. horror based with tag based horror, which makes things even more confusing. So it's like that's a thing now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I I did see it. Um, yeah, you know, it, it does like yes, most horror, horror, most horror films on Netflix do just wash over me. Um, so. To be fair, it wasn't. It didn't do anything exciting. I watched it. It was pretty dull and had a silly ending when they had so much yep. potential. There's no box office info on it online at all. So it's got 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Basically, I think everybody just wants to forget Dark Summer ever happened, so let's let them help them yeah. with that. Uh, your pick for first in horror, Justin, was Unfriended. Yep. Which was uh, roundly agreed to be better than anyone thought it had any right to be, and pulled in sixty-two point nine million dollars at the box office. All right. So yeah, so that that's that happened. Yeah. It, it was good. No, it's good. I mean, it's it's fine for them because I mean, you know, it's essentially hangout horror. So yeah. Yeah. budget wasn't huge. It did all the job. It didn't win, but it it was okay. Yeah. What did win? Which mm, I. Uh, yeah, me and Ian picked at first was Insidious nice. Chapter 3, which was, again, us shooting fish in a barrel. Because yeah. the first one made $97 million, and the second one made $161.9 million, despite the fact that many people thought it was stupid. And I think that hurt the box office on the third one, which only made oh, $109 million. Uh, oh, I bet they're crying all the way to their bank because they're cheap as chips to make and they're raking in around about $100 million yeah. per episode. That's insidious. Uh, and I didn't yeah. see it. I wanted, it was another one. I want to go see this one at the cinema because I've enjoyed both of the others, but I didn't get around to it. But lots it, of people it's did. It's one of these things that inevitably people who like horror will just get on DVD at some point or other. Oh, yeah. They're absolutely. Rent. Yeah. Or Netflix, it'll stream yeah, it or something. Well, the, the thing about it is, as well, I think one of the things, it's hard to go and see horror films at the cinema because the cinema likes to schedule them late at night. And then you're like, well, I can't hang around for that, which yeah, I had in October. Yeah. Uh, so then we've got uh, Poltergeist, which made $95.6 million oh. on a budget of $35 million. Oh. So. Yeah, not not so. I mean, it was it was fine, but everyone agreed it was pointless. It it, it broke even in Hollywood accountancy because it made made money. Yeah, Uh, I think they might have been hoping for more, and so therefore they were disappointed. Who cares? Uh, Sinister Two made twenty seven point six million, which is meh. So hopefully that's the end of that franchise, seeing as they seem to have run out of ideas before they even started writing the first one. And uh, just as a, a little note here. In September, which is a little bit late for us, but Shyamalan released The Visit, mm. uh, which has made $77.1 million at the box office on a $5 million budget. It is most successful film since Six Sense. Like bizarre like that, isn't it? It's yeah, like, it is. Uh, it was, I saw it. It was fine. Oh, it no, was, we're, all, we're, all we're doing is fueling you know, the uh, inevitability of um, uh, another Avatar where they end their film, so... No, no, no. Money. Well, I think he's found his level because he started out doing kind of because Six Sense is not an expensive film. 
And it was a nice horror film with a twist. And so I kind of feel he's gone back to his roots slightly with, with this. So I wasn't surprised he did all right because he was back on very familiar territory. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It didn't, it didn't look that exciting to me. I just kind of... No, 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 no. Off. But no, a, I can see, see how it being a, more of a safe bet, definitely. Yeah. Is the twist any good in this one, Leo? It's fine. It, it, I mean, you know, it all makes sense. It all hangs together. Um, it's your standard Shyamalan fair... No, actually, that's that's unfair because uh, if you when you say standard Shyamalan fair, standard Shyamalan roundabout the village fair. Oh yeah. god! I mean, the village wasn't very good, but it it wasn't it wasn't. Oh um, right, okay. The happening. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, yeah, it's better than all of his awful stuff, but it's not as good as his good stuff. Well, that's pretty. So that's, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. What can we say? Okay, um, and that, and, and Justin, I can guarantee, had you seen that, you would not be saying, oh, and those kids, they were some of the least annoying kids I've seen in the cinema in a while. <laughs> no, those kids were really annoying. Sue was, like, making little pew-pew at the screen. Oh, yeah. they're so annoying. Yeah. Come on, kill um, them now. And, them and I have to say, ways. there was also a feature which, essentially, it's a found footage movie, but... In a way, there's this meta level where it's Shyamalan talking to other directors of found footage horror movies going, no, 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 you don't understand. Found footage is a technique. You don't just arbitrarily make a found footage movie. Let me show you. You all stand back over there and I'll make a found footage movie and then you'll know how to do it right, okay? It's just like, you were so patronising. Like, I felt patronised during the film on behalf of people who make stuff like Project Almanac. Because, okay, so Project Almanac and, and Paranormal Activity and all of that stuff, it's terrible, but at least it's not lecturing you about film theory. Arr! So, yeah, uh, that's that's what happened there. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so that that's what we got. No, so all we've got left, and you may have picked up the thread here, are the turkey and the battler. We picked as our turkey, and I've saved some turkey, Right yeah. for the end, just so that we can talk about this. Let's talk Turkey. I picked Poltergeist. I wasn't 100% off, bearing in mind the fact that I think they thought they wanted Poltergeist to do better than it did. And it didn't. Ian picked Pan, so engage smug mode once more, Mr. Caldwell. You picked the, a turkey so bad... The studio was like, no, no, we're going to bump yes. this to, to it, late A film so bad, even they didn't want to go see it. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. You are right on the money never, there. Never, never again, they say, as they yes. Uh And Justin, you picked Robot Overlords. I, from the... I, I think oh, you're going to tell me this was awesome. And no, 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 no. Now, I'm going to just put back out for you there. Monsters Dark Continent, there is no budget information as far as I go, or there wasn't budget information available for Monsters Dark Continent, so I can't tell you how much money they lost on that. But bear in mind the fact it was a sequel to a pretty popular movie. I'm betting $228,000 didn't cover Dark Continent's yeah. uh, budget. Robot Overlords made roughly twice as much as Dark Continent at $553,000. That's their global box office on that. Right. Its budget is a matter of record $2 million. 
it's made 25% of its budget. So you didn't do so badly, but Ian just managed to pip you there with the, the pan right, I'll prediction. Take that. That's fine. I'll take that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, there are some other factors here. Robot Overlords isn't really pitched. As, I mean, it only got released in four countries on a cinema screen at all. Yeah. And it's made by Isle of Man. So there's a large degree of tax write-off. And also they expect to make money back on DVD. I was going to say DVD sales, they will claim them back on, definitely. Yeah, it's not a Hollywood machine kind of budget exercise. So really, yeah. And I heard that it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. So, you know, there we go. So that's I mean, we, we did some good work there on the turkey picking. Uh, but this, this is uh, nothing uh, as to uh, our work on The Battler. Right. Now, unfortunately, Justin, your smug mode will have to remain uh, on the other things you got right. Because yeah. you thought that Ant-Man would do a lot better than uh, yeah. than even they thought it would. Right. Whereas, in fact, it did exactly what they thought it would do. Yeah. And Fair no enough. more and no less. Enough to get it a sequel, not enough to set the world on fire. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing, because I actually had to do maths for this last bit. Ian, so of sorry. course. Yeah, Ian, of course. You picked Jurassic World, okay, yes. as your battler. You thought it would do a lot better than, than people thought it would. And you were right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, so uh, I can tell you, obviously, uh, it made, oh, where is it? Here it is, 1.6 billion on a budget of 150 million, which makes it a roughly a 900% increase on its budget to its global box office takings. You're feeling pretty happy about that, are you? Because uh, I remember as well. In, I just want to point out. I listened back to the show, and you're going, "Oh, yeah. I don't." If I could pick what was going to be a massive world stomping winner, I'd work in Hollywood, wouldn't I? Well, apparently, you should send your CV. <laughs> you got it right on the nose with that one. Yep. The biggest movie in summer. Nobody saw it coming, which is strange because dinosaurs are really big. So mm. you'd think you would. But yeah, Ian, it, you know, it was like they took, they, they took Jurassic Park and they somehow cloned it. And <laughs> Jurassic World. Storm, storm. Look out for Jurassic World 2, everyone. Those dinosaurs aren't secured yet. Uh, so yeah, that, that was that. Now that's fine and all good and as it was. But my battler that I picked, because I'm like, hey, I'm a fanboy and this is what it is. I picked Pitch Perfect 2, which made $285.2 million, which isn't as much as 1.6, but its budget was $29 million, meaning that it had a 900% increase, meaning that technically it did exactly the same business proportionally as Jurassic World. Therefore, Ian, in battler picking, we tie on the numbers like that. Although obviously yours was financially more lucrative in net. Yes, term. I, I think I prefer my version of tying than your version of tying. <laughs> 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 well, um, no, I think I think I prefer both of yours. Uh, so we'll call that a tie on. Yeah, I mean the, the the fact of the matter is that when we look back on it. We did okay. I mean, we, we picked quite a lot of we, winners. Yeah, I have to say it's one of our stronger years. That's what I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, it is. We've it, been woefully inadequate at this before, and I think that we can all, to a certain degree, it has been helped by the fact that, let's say, uh, barrels and fish, but 
I think that, uh, yeah, I think overall that's not bad. I think I'll take that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably where I, I've, uh, having gone through the, the list now and looked at all the box office receipts and blah, blah, blah. Fish and Barrel is where, this is the summer of Fish in Barrels. Uh, yeah. we did so well because Hollywood did so well. Yeah. You know, it had a couple of misfires. It thought Terminator would do better than it did. It would thought somebody somewhere thought Fantastic Four would be a thing. Don't know who that was. Even realised Inside Out would be great. Yeah, well, no, we we forgot about Inside Out, but everybody had faith in it, and it did much better than than everybody thought. But the fact is, it's not really that controversial. It's yeah. like everything did pretty much what it was supposed to do for the most part, and that's I think you know this interesting. Is this going to continue to be the thing? Has Hollywood metrics got so good now? Have they? Because we've seen in the show, like when we did the show, that for a long time they were struggling to work out what people wanted to watch. And in the last few years, they've just started to slot those projects into place where it's like, this is what we've got for you. And people go and see it. Um, You cannot, but however, you cannot ever take things for granted because, you know, at the end of the day, they are human beings employed in those posts. Yeah. Those people come and go. And so at the moment... That is absolutely right, but who knows? You know, it's only going to take a bad yeah. decision here with like MCU or some, you know, something, or you know, even Star Wars or whatever that that, that you know things not could could fracture. But um, I think positive about this. I think yeah, I think I think you're right. I think at the moment it's good. This podcast is called Revenge of the 80s Kids. I think we should rename it to It's Bleeding Obvious of the 80s Kids. <laughs> it's, yeah, the films that we're going to carpet bomb money were fairly obvious, and the ones that we're just going to bomb were fairly obvious too. So, you know, let's face it, Star Wars is coming in the end of the year, and, and that's going to that's gonna upset the top ten ladder. It's may only have a, a few weeks to do it in, but it's going to have a damn good yep. try. It's like, well, summer is summer, so you've got to see what, you know, what was the thing of the summer, which is why we have to do the summer review now rather than later, because obviously then you get, I mean, this is what's really weird. Crimson Peak came out this weekend, Last Witch Hunter's coming out next weekend, Star Wars is out in a few weeks. We're having like a, we're having a cold summer, like there's loads of stuff coming out over the course of the, the winter because they've decided that that's going to be a thing now. There was the brief flirtation with let's have an autumn and extend summer into autumn. But now they've gone, Star Wars is coming out. Let's use the... I think that's what it is. There's a tent pole at Christmas that's Star Wars. Yeah. Let's use the gravity of that to pull people yeah. into the cinema a bit earlier. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a bit of a mad year overall. I think so. Um, but when you consider, like, last year when they went for all the sword and sandal stuff and yeah. just randomly, like, let's yeah. throw a bunch of sword and sandal stuff out, see how that does. And then they decided maybe that wasn't such a good idea. That's the chaos element where they suddenly, everybody yeah. gets a vogue for, hey, let's do this this summer. And we didn't get that this summer. All we got this summer was exactly what we were kind of expecting. Because yeah. we got, um, you know, we got uh, Mad Max Terminator Jurassic World. It was a bit of a throwback summer i mean let's talk for a minute uh, because we kind of glossed over it at the yeah. time uh mad max fury road gentlemen and um, i absolutely loved it i should mention that uh i did look i mean you can't really take aggregate review scores into cap box offices when you're saying you know this is how we met metricize what won and what lost mad max is the best reviewed film of the year yeah I think 99% I, on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I wouldn't at this stage, obviously, because we're not, we're not finished the year, of, you know, w- whether it's going to be my favourite film, but it's certainly up there at the moment. 
you know, in like the top three or four, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Ian, did you enjoy? I didn't. Well, again, it's because it's just me on my own. If I had someone else to go with, I probably would have made the point of going to see it. But Ian, you're in Australia. Surely it's mandated by law that you (laughs) go. Was it filmed in Australia? Yeah. It did star Australians? Yeah, um, well, uh, no, but it was made by an Australian. Yeah. You know, Mad Max is part of your cultural heritage. What are you talking about? Come on. Well, Mad Max is. I'm not sure the new one is. No, no, it's just like the, the actual week. Well, yeah, right. So, like, just to let you know, if you didn't realise, every single Mad Max film has been written and directed by the same guy. Who's Australian? That doesn't then, uh, demand his reasons for Thunderdome. This, the only way that film made sense is if someone who had never seen a Man Max film had actually made it. Well, that's what's really interesting about it, because this one does a very, I think it does a much better job of tying together it does. the others, because it sticks to the Mad Max formula. Uh, except the first one's the one that actually breaks the formula a bit, because it's like a prequel, which is weird. But it actually, Road Warrior, Thunderdome, and Fury Road make a much better trilogy than Mad Max, Road Warrior, and Thunderdome. Yeah. Because what basically happens is Max turns up in the middle of the apocalypse, in the middle of some story. He hangs about, you know, contributing what he has to contribute to that story. And at the end, he buggers off. And that's the whole thing. And it's completely episodic, and it's completely without precedent or actual sequel. The only common thread is Mad Max and the apocalypse. And that's exactly what Fury Road does. And as well as which, Fury Road has enough insanity in it that it kind of hangs together quite well with Thunderdome. So, yeah, it, it, in fact, I mean, and I mean, you know, when you've got the sort of the giant juggernaut driving across the desert with the guy with the rock guitar with the flamethrower on the end of it playing a guitar solo as they chase down Mad Max, it's like, what the hell is this? It's just completely mental, and at the same it's time, just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful, crazy world, basically, that is really cohesive. Despite all of that madness, it kind of makes sense. Oh, no, it's a great location. It's a great location for a, a and it, and it just, But it has a great vibe. It's, a, it's just a good, it's a good, solid film with great characters, you know, just insanity, largely... Oh, and we lose his sound for a second there, but I shall fill we'll in. Never, we never, we never know what it was largely what. <laughs> largely what, yes. It is largely Mad Max. Uh, it is largely insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what Justin was saying is, is completely correct. One of the other things, of course, is that the whole there's a whole strand in it where the, the people believe, you know, have gone back to or have co-opted Norse mythology with Valhalla and, and all of this kind of Valkyries and stuff like that. Um and that hangs together with the Thunderdome because suddenly all the weird spiritual stuff in the Thunderdome gets recast as, well, people, it's after the apocalypse, people are looking for hope and they find it in bonkers. Well, places. it's not so much that Mad Max is not Mad Max in Mad Max and the Thunderdome. He's a different character. Well, uh, he's not Mad Max from The Road Warrior. That's the thing. And he's not Mad Max from the prequel. But then Mad Max yeah. is not the same threat. Uh, Mad, Max and, Mad Max and Road Warrior clearly the same character. Suddenly in uh, Thunderdome we have... Hollywood Max, who's who's much more like your every action hero you would find in that in that contemporary year of films of that time. And then so, Fury Road completely rubbishes that because in this one the one yeah. thing that people had a complaint about is well he doesn't really do much, he just kinda hangs about and yeah, that's pretty much it. kicks everyone's butt. It's like that's that's well, what it is. 
it is more the other characters, really, and he just happens to be part of it, really. Yeah. Which seems totally yeah. appropriate for me. I think that's, I, I, that's yeah. No, no, I, 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 I'm not saying that's a... Uh, well, I, I think the characterization in 3 is bad. I think how they're doing it here and how they did it before was totally fine. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that it was worth mentioning. So I'm I'm glad that we mentioned it, and I'm yeah. not too yeah. much of a man to admit. Uh, on our way out the door, inside out, I cried like a baby. Yes, there was that one moment. Yes. And, and to be here. fair, I wasn't alone. Everyone in the entire cinema was crying like a baby. Like everyone. Yeah. There was the rustle of tissues and the sniffle of noses, and the entire everybody there was just in flood. It was ridiculous. So are we still talking about Mad Max? No, we're talking about Inside Out now. We're talking about Inside oh, right. Out. Um, <laughs> and I think, honestly, the reason they managed to push everybody's crying button so effectively in that movie is... Has anyone, has, has, you've seen it, Justin, obviously? Well, yes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you cry like a baby? Yes. Yes, of course you did. Yeah, well, you're you're about to. I just thought it was a kind of a beautiful emotional note. It was like something that I think struck a chord of a lot of people that you don't often see explored, really. And yet it's quite small. It's like a you've got all of this kind of I would say like you know Wizard of Oz element to it um, for large part of the film, but then actually when it comes down to it, it's something very believable. It's something very honest. Yeah. And it kind of go, and you go, oh, and it just catches you because, you know, you've, you've seen all this spangly stuff and it's like, wow, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, you got me there. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two two parts to this, uh, which I can manage to do without spoilers. It's brilliant. Mm. Um, which is that, one, I think that the whole idea of what is going on in Inside Out is so out there that, in fact, one of the reasons why it's so manipulative is because it's not manipulative at all, because they're like, I don't think people are going to cry. This is weird. It's like little people running around in people's heads. That's not going to... People are going to be too like, okay, I'm not sure I'm following this, to get emotional about it, which they turned out to be completely wrong about. Uh, And then the other thing is, and this only came in the other day, because I was listening to an interview uh, with Tony Collette and Drew Barrymore, and uh, one of them said... Uh, about their film, which apparently is going to be a lot more manipulative. Mm. Uh, it's not weakness that makes you cry. It's strength. Mm. And I was like, Bob on. That moment is an, a, 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 you know, a demonstration of the inner strength of the character involved. Yeah. That is, and that's what reduces you to tears. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, the other thing about it is, like you said, Justin, the complete unexpectedness. Of, yep. of that, you know, and the fact. So yeah, I think. I mean, you know, it, you know, we talk about uh, box office performance being an indicator of battling, but when you think about it, although Inside Out had Pixar behind it, it's a bit of a weird pitch. And the fact that it has managed to be, I mean, the people have been talking about Oscars, like yeah. this should I, win an Oscar. For me, it's absolutely Pixar back on form. Yeah, about it. You know, they've been they've gone off the rails a little bit. And they've played, and they've made some kind of slightly dodgy choices and things, but this is like the absolute heart of Pixar. You know, when you, you know, with Toy Story and all those things, the, ele- the emotion has always been a key thing of it, whatever craziness is going on. And they've lost that. They have lost that. And now that was like, wow, yeah, that's a proper Pixar film. I mean, whether they'll continue, I don't know, but that was just very, it was quite beautiful to kind of see that on the screen again. 
So, yeah, uh, so as a final thought from me, I realise now, having talked about Mad Max, having talked about Inside Out, and having seen Avengers 2, and having seen MI5, and having gone to the cinema and been pretty much delighted, and Maze Runner even, I realised two things. One, this was the summer of shooting fish in a barrel, but two, we are completely spoiled. With the, you know, like, I have never seen a movie that's made me cry like Inside Out. Avengers 2, as much as we're like, well, you know, it was never going to live up to the hype, was pretty damn good. Ant-Man was hilarious. Uh, Maze Runner was scary as all hell. Apparently Jurassic World is a great time. Fast and Furious 7 is meant to be one of the best action movies that's ever been made. And this all came out in one year, in the same summer. Haven't Um, even got to Star Wars Episode 7 yet. Yeah, and we haven't even got to Abrams' Star Wars this year. So, really, although we're saying, well, you know, we managed to pick it because it was bleeding obvious, I think what wasn't bleeding obvious was the quality. And that's what we, you know, that's what people should be focusing on, uh, is the continued quality of the product that's good. And the other nice thing about it is, I think that when you have, like, something and the studio isn't sure about it and the audience are thinking this is going to be terrible, the fact that we've actually managed to pick all that as well means that now the studio can go, yeah, we get a bit of a smell off this, let's just pull the plug. Because, yeah, you can't be like... Because they were, like, they were obviously cruising on that. Who knows? It might do business. And then everything that was supposed to do business (laughs) did business. Everything that was supposed to be terrible did met or worse. It's easy now. If you think it's going to be bad, just don't waste the time. Uh, That's my final thought. Ian, final thoughts on this summer? Honestly, I am a complete blank at the moment. It's been a very long week and a long day and I'm thinking, I can go for a lie down soon. So (laughs) I say I enjoyed tremendously the films that I saw. Uh, They were great fun for the most part. More of this and less of the other stuff. Thank you. Moving on. And I think, well, I think the other thing that you got point is that you've managed to not see things, which means that you're in the enviable position of having a lot of treats yet to come. So we envy you for that. yes. Mm. Yeah, Justin, your final thoughts? Your uh, final thoughts? As I, as I, stealing, stealing shamelessly from uh, from Ian, I will don my mask. <laughs> my mask Props! of of of, uh, <laughs> no, of of future films because I I too have got um, a lot of very good treats waiting that I missed. So I am very much looking forward to streaming services in the next few months, or even even just purchasing them myself. Um, yeah. So, so I I will be doubly spoiled because not only have I you know everything I've seen I've enjoyed, but I've obviously got things to look forward to at Christmas and any point up to that point that I can fit in with other other things. It's all good. So yeah, very happy year for me. And we we we're living in a world where one of the things that people have to look forward to uh, right now is our Halloween special. Two weeks to this very day, and uh, just to set people up and maybe give them some homework. We were, and we've already told them this. Uh, we will be looking at the uh, works of the Horrormeister himself as they translate into cinema. We are going to be taking a look at the very weird cinematic exploits of Stephen King. And has, this he, ca- has he had any of his stuff turned into film? Uh, one, one or two little <laughs> films that okay. you know, just one or two. Okay. I mean, this is the thing. Sue decided that she wanted to watch Maximum Overdrive again. And that's the thing. Maximum Overdrive, generally regarded as not a good movie. Mm. But I, Sue, and many other people are like, oh, I love that movie. And yet it's supposed to be terrible. 
So I don't understand. I, I, I've got some research this next couple of weeks. I'm kind of looking forward to it, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Stephen King is going to be a fascinating show because it's not like um, the other retrospectives that we've done where you say, um, well, you could kind of see that that was going to be bad or you could kind of see it. some. It's just this crazy career and the amount of stuff in our culture that exists because yeah. of Stephen King is just okay. insane. Yeah. So, so there we go. So and anything goes, anything you can watch that's got Stephen King's name on it, uh, this is for the home audience as well as for uh, anyone else, uh, yeah. as for us. Uh, just anything you can watch and bring to the party, really, because even I, with a month to prepare, have not been able to get through as much as I wanted. It's going to be a crazy Halloween special. And yeah. it's going to be even crazier because sat, like, sort of here-ish, like, that's my hand puppet thing here, Will be Justin. Yes. It'll be both of us on the same uh, the the yes. same camera, and then Ian sitting in I his know. bedroom in Australia. I Not in my bedroom. It's my study. How dare you? Study, study bedroom, whatever. It's it's in Australia. You will be in Australia. But then, of course, sometime over Christmas, I think it's probably going to become incumbent upon us to do the same thing, except with Ian on the camera and Justin somewhere else, because that's what's going to happen. Oh, you've got to go. Someone's at the door. People are coming. Oh, all right then. Cool. Well, we'll see you because we're about to wrap up. Uh, Ian, do you want to, uh, for old times' sake, do the old uh, well, I'll, It's been a while. I don't know if I've still got it, but I'll give it a go. Um, would you want to lead me in with your usual question? Yes, I will indeed. If, if people have uh, seen or listened to the audio version of this uh, Summer Review podcast special and have suddenly become... Uh, intrigued by the phenomenon that is the 80s kids, where, Ian, might they go to find such a thing? Well, one place they could go would be our Facebook page, which they can find on Facebook forward slash Revenge of the 80s Kids. And that's 80s as in numbers, so 80s. Uh, please go there and like our page. It is our community hub. Uh, when we do podcasts or live Google Hangouts, we tell you about it there. Uh, but uh, podcasts were what it was all about. And for those, oh, well, just, let's go straight to the archive, shall we? Yeah, let's just go let's to, to the, the let's go to the eighties kids archive, which you can find at the eighties kids and there you will find a full archive of every show we ever did ever. Except um, this for is you at the end, except which will be there shortly. Yeah, I'll um, get around to it uh, sooner or later. They'll all be there, but if, if this isn't enough 80s kids for you, you can hunt down individual 80s kids in such places as... Uh, well, you can find me at leostableford.com, uh, uh, where you can catch up with what I'm doing. Uh, I'm also planning to do some video stuff uh, soon with some game streaming and, and whatnot. So, yeah, all the news about that is at leostableford.com. Uh, Justin Wyatt uh, is uh, can be found at DeviantArt, justinwyatt.deviantart.com. And that's about all there is to say for now. Uh, when we used to have a weekly thing, we say we'd see you next week. We'll see you in two weeks for Halloween. And after that, we shall return to the shadows to draw our plans <laughs> on which next time. But for now, bye. Farewell. Farewell, Andrew Sinclair, who's been our viewer. Bye. <laughs>